morning, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of KDHL's AM Minnesota Show. We've got a very interesting program, not that we don't every day, coming your way today. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with a couple of ladies from the Rice County Attorney's Office. It's Crime Victim Witness Week, and we'll be chatting about that topic tomorrow on our AM Minnesota Show. Today, I have joining me by telephone... From Wanamingo, Minnesota, their city administrator, Michael Bolton. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Gordy. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I appreciate your coming on. When I first heard of the North Zumbro Sanitary Sewer District proposal, I thought, what a great idea. Your community is looking into going in with Pine Island, Goodyear, and Zumbrota for a, well, sanitary sewer district, right? Yeah, it's, uh, we all have aging sewer plants, uh, Gory, and a couple of years ago we got together and started talking about what's the best way and most economically feasible way of moving forward. And we did a, uh, hired uh, our own engineers. We had three engineers representing the four towns. Uh, we did a feasibility study, and we came up with the conclusion that one central wastewater treatment plant uh, with collection lines um, is the most feasible way going forward uh, economically. This um, was started in the summer of 2020. I'm looking at a timeline you have yes, here. Yeah, so it's been a lot of, lot of work uh, moving forward, and we have a lot of, lot of parties with us involved, including uh, the MPCA and the Minnesota Rural Water. And, uh, you know, they're all cheerleading us on, knowing that this is the, the best way uh, to, to treat water, you know, combined population with our four communities is 10,000 people. So if we each did our own plant, you know, wastewater treatment plants are about the most expensive item that uh, any community will ever face. You know, just for a little town of Watamingo, you know, you're well, well north of $10 million, probably closer to $15 million to build a sewer plant. And if you're looking at a town like Pine Islanders and Broda, you're probably in the 25 to $30 million range. So you start adding that up, and those costs uh, uh, for just a few residents that we have, either 1,200 in Wanamingo or somewhere in the 37, 3,800 populations in Broad and Pine Island, uh, how do you pay for that long-term and uh, pay for the operation costs? And that's one, of the, that's one of the biggest things, Gordy, with this, is that if we did a, a, a regional plant, uh, we'd have a half million dollars estimated uh, savings a year in operation and maintenance costs by having one plant compared to four. Sure. That's a huge, huge savings long-term, even though the capital cost is very similar, putting in one plant with uh, collections lines compared to building four separate plants. Right. It's, uh, well, if I'm looking at your costs right, it's roughly, uh, there's four communities involved here, so it's, what, about... Oh, the cost? Uh, yeah, I think the total project costs are looking at $95 million, which right. is a pretty big cost, but you have to say the construction is $80 million. You're going to pay an engineering firm, you know, 5 to $6 million to manage the project, to construct it, and then you've got design costs of another $7 million, and then you're going to have uh, land acquisition and some other fees involved there to uh, actually create the sanitary sewer district and the rules and whatnot, the governing rules. Um, but you look at the sewer plants, you know, if you look at 25 or 30 in Pine Island and, and Zambroda, you know, you're already up over 50 million and you add another 
10 to 15 with Goodhue and Wanamingo, you can see how our total project cost is very similar when you add those those four communities' potential cost to build their own sewer plants up. And didn't I see, though, that about 50% of this you're hoping for bonding dollars? Yeah, we've been, uh, we've, last session we had uh, uh, bills in, uh, but with no uh, bonding bill being passed by the legislature, um, the bottleneck uh, has come to this year. Our cost increased just because construction costs uh, were up. We had to increase our estimate. So I think we were up around 13% increase over the previous year just because inflation and construction costs are outrageous. Um, but this year we have a bonding bill request in for half of that $95 million cost. Um, and then with uh, so many projects happening and so many needs uh, out there, um, they've asked us if we could scale back and We've kind of said, well, we could uh, potentially get money if they funded 100% of it, uh, of the upfront cost, just to do the design work and the land acquisition and getting the district organized. We could phase that part of it in. But same thing with the chicken and the egg. How do you build a, a sewer plant and not have the lines to get it there? Or how do you build the lines and not have a, a treatment plant to, to treat the water? <laughs> How do you expect residents to pay if it's not fully completed? Yeah. Well, that's that's where our concerns are, you know, of uh, when, when when the legislature came back and asked if we'd accept anything less, and we said, well, this would at least get us one step closer, even though it's not, we wouldn't be there yet, but at least it'd be make a shovel ready within a year if we got, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8 to $10 million. So you're going to begin construction, if I look at your timeline right, in the fall of next year, if... Uh, all this must hinge on whether you get those bonding dollars. Yeah, the biggest thing with us, with cost-wise, is uh, uh, right now the average sewer rates in our communities is uh, you know in that fifty to sixty dollar range a month. Um, and if we didn't get any kind of funding, whether it's uh, um, the bonding bill money or some other federal money through point source implementation grant, uh, which the feds kind of divvy out our residents would see a five-time increase on their on their sewer rates. So you'd be putting uh, sewer rates up to $250 a month just for the sewer portion of the bill. And if we got this uh, money from uh, the bonding bill and this other uh, federal money, uh, we'd be looking at about doubling our rates. So maybe close to closer to you know $100 a month on the sewer rates, which is still pretty high, but... Uh, you know, when you're talking about a $95 million project and spreading it out among 10,000 people, uh, it's got to be paid somehow, even if it's just a portion of it. Isn't that something? Wow. So are you pretty much assured that this is going to be in the bonding bill? Of course, nothing's <laughs> etched in stone. I understand that. No, nothing's been etched in stone. In fact, I, th- I think we made about 10 trips up to the state capitol, whether it's testifying in front of the uh, capital investments committees in the Senate and the House or uh, meeting with uh, individual members in each of those committees and or our, our also our area representatives, which we're lucky that the four communities are represented by, we're in two different Senate districts, state Senate districts, and three different House districts. So we're, we have uh, that going for us that we have multiple members that are helping make the case for us um, at the Capitol. I'm surprised there aren't more 
of these type of projects. I mean, it just makes so much sense to treat this regionally rather than every community having their own. How old is the plant that you have now? Uh, originally built in the late 1960s uh, with a lot of federal money. Most of it was actually paid for by grant money um, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. The federal government did put a premium on uh, basically treating wastewater, especially in smaller communities where they gave a lot of grant money. And back into the 80s, uh, uh, the few sanitary sewer districts that are in this part of the state were formed and uh, built uh, regional plants at that time, whether it's um, Dover Yoda or uh, um, collectively a couple other plants kind of down in the, the southeast uh, part of the state here. Um, but as that money kind of uh, disappeared and became more of a, a loan program through the federal government and cost of these plants going from, you know, maybe a million dollars to build a plant, like I said, uh, 30, 40 years ago to now we're 10 to $15 million to build a small plant. It's, uh, how do you, how do you finance that and pay for that long term is, is a tough thing. And, um, we're looking at trying to, to do this and make a model uh, for other other uh, communities to follow here by having uh, a regional plant and trying to save our residents money and save the average average Minnesota taxpayer money because everybody's got a need with these aging plants that were built in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And when their time is up, they're going to be each coming to the legislature and asking for assistance as well, just as we're doing. Right. Economy of scale here. We're going to talk more with uh, Mike Bolton. He's the city administrator in Wanamingo. Don't go away, Mike. I got to get a market update here, okay? All right. We're going to go to the, the folks up in St. Paul and get that opening market report. A service of your KDHL Agri Boosters, including Northland Buildings, quality post frame construction. Head to northlandbuildings.com. Matt's Roofing, specializing in any shingling project, plus farm buildings, residential roofing, over 100 years combined experience, no payment until it's com completed and you are satisfied. Give Troy a call. I met him a week or two ago, a really nice guy, 507-838-2254. Troy has got you covered. Krennic Stump Grinding in Faribault, get your lawn back. Do what you want. Don't mow around that pesky stump all the time. Contact Chris at 491-2948, 491-2948, or go online, Krennic, that's K-R-E-N-I-K, stumpgrinding.com, and Werner Farm Seed Dundas for quality seed. Reasonable prices, give Paul or Gene a call at 507-645-7995. <laughs> Soybeans and corn are lower, cattle are higher, hogs have turned mixed. I'm John Perkins with a Brownfield Market Update. The path to higher yields is now at your fingertips. Download the Stein Seed app today and access valuable in-depth agronomic information, their seed lineups, and more. Soybeans are lower this morning on fund and technical selling as beans and products are seeing another round of long liquidation linked to slow export demand. Near-term supplies are tight and contracts are heavily oversold. But May beans are down four at fourteen thirty-two. July's five and a quarter lower at fourteen oh nine and a half. May bean meals a dollar thirty lower at four twenty-four seventy. May soybean oils down sixty-nine points at fifty-one thirty-nine. 
Corn's lower with most forecasts showing mixed planting and development conditions in the Corn Belt over the next few days. China canceled on previously purchased U.S. corn for the second time this week. May is down six and a half at 635 and July corn's 12 and three quarters lower at 588 and a quarter. And wheat's down. Parts of the southern plains had better than expected rain, but it's probably not going to help all that much. Weather outlooks generally have better spring planting conditions for the northern plains. May Chicago's down eight at 619 and a quarter. Oversold with decent export numbers, July cotton's up 153 at 79.89, but consolidating May rice is up nine and a half at 17.02 and a half. July's down uh, now a penny higher at 17.10 and a half. Live and feeder cattle are higher, uh, waiting for widespread direct business. Did see some light trade yesterday. June lives up 42 at 165. August is 27 higher at 163.67. August feeders are up 40 at 231.32. And hogs are mixed. Weekly export sales last week were a marketing year high at 54,000 tons, with 60% of that headed to Mexico. But contracts are at a big premium to cash. June leans down 20 at 90.10. July's back to two higher at 92.55. Crude oil's up modestly. John Perkins, Brownfield. AM Minnesota on the Mighty 920 KDHL. Other KDHL agro boosters include Freelink Senior Living, creating peace of mind in your loved one's journey in Lonsdale and Northfield. Craig Keller at the Keller Insurance Agency near Strand. Craig helps protect all things that are near and dear to you. And Insulation Services Incorporated. Contact Nate there and discover all the advantages of spray foam or blown in insulation. You can contact Nate at 507-993-4570. That's 507-993-4570. Mike Bolton is the city administrator for the city of Wanamingo. He joins us by telephone this morning from Wanamingo, where not too long ago, Mike, we'll get back to the sanitary sewer district, but not too long ago, you took down that iconic downtown water tower. Yeah, the old top hat water tower, which you're seeing less and less of those on the, the small community horizons than there were even 10 years ago. Uh, we ended up taking ours down. It was 97 years old, Gordy. <laughs> um, it uh, it served its purpose. Um, we uh, needed additional water capacity in town, and we needed to increase our uh, our pressure uh, to service uh, uh, kind of the the growth to the south here. And so we ended up having to, we built a new water tower, 250,000-gallon water tower. Uh, this top hat water tower down here was actually only 45,000 gallons. And uh, we had another kind of a silo-type uh, tower on top of uh, uh, a hill uh, to the north uh, of town here that actually had 130,000-gallon capacity. But... Uh, with building this new tower, we had to raise up the the height of the new tower, which uh, made it not feasible in order to uh, keep either one of those old towers in service. Um, so then it came down to um, keeping this downtown tower. Was it feasible as a landmark to keep it? And uh, having to paint those about every 15 years um, because they fade and chip, uh, that cost uh, of painting has, has uh, risen uh, drastically. Last time we did it was a little over $100,000. So even if we just did basic inflation and thought about the next time we needed to paint it here in the next five to ten years, we'd be you know, in that one hundred and thirty dollars to $150,000 range real quick. 
Um, so having to put $15,000 a year for maintenance on something that we're not using in our water system um, is a tough pill to swallow considering all of the all the needs that we have in town here and funding. There's only so many dollars to go around. So ultimately the council uh, opted to remove it. Um, and because we were moving one tower, it was the prime time to remove the other tower at the same time because um, you're going to have the best point because you've already paid for getting those people here. Um, you'd have to pay for that cost again if you took it down in 10 years from now. Um, it just made it most feasible. But it's tough to, to take down an icon. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I can't even imagine. I haven't been over there since you took it down. It's got to be a gaping hole there. Yeah, it's well, it's not as big of a footprint as you think. It, it, there is a hole on the site, but... Uh, um, more in people's minds and hearts, as that, that's the identity of the town for years with that red top hat tower, yep. was Watamingo. And it's amazing the, when you start hearing about stories of, uh, uh, of uh, people climbing it, or there's a few couple people had tattoos of the tower on, 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 on themselves, that it was so near and dear to their hearts, and uh, they grew up with it. And uh, um, it's... it's uh, Makes it difficult to, to take something like that down when, it, when so many people have those stories. And they're pretty neat. And even, I think uh, it was built in 1926. And I think in 1931 or something, I think it was hit by a, yeah. a plane that took off uh, just to the south of town here that had a pilot. It's an old biplane that had a pilot and uh, one, uh, one person on each side of the wings holding on. And the pilot couldn't see out of the front of the, of the uh, plane and actually took off and hit the hit the tower square and actually killed the pilot and the two two uh passengers of the of the plane and put a, a significant dent in the tower and all of them were in their early 20s if i remember right yes you yeah. so a, a tragedy there it was a biplane remember we're talking in the 1920s <laughs> airplanes weren't like they are today and as i understand it doing a little research and reading i put a post up on it the um the gentleman, the pilot who grew up in the Wanamingo area, but he grew up before that water tower was up. He didn't even realize there was a water tower there. Yeah, it's uh, it was quite a tragedy. Uh, one other side note to that is it's kind of funny. We talk about the thriftiness of this area. I I, I found minutes dating back back then that show even when that damage to that tower occurred. Uh, they got two original estimates, and the, the council actually turned down both of the estimates to repair because the cost was, was too high and uh, ended up coming with a third estimate before they finally decided to to make some repairs to that tower. Well, there's still a dent in it. I mean, there was you, still a slight dent in it, yes. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. You couldn't pound out the dent. Well, you're talking about pretty thick steel there. but And I... <laughs> at, least it did, at least it didn't leak at that point, Gordy. No, that's true. Yeah, that's a good thing. Good yeah. thing. But I, I can't even imagine. Of course, I don't live in Wanamingo. I haven't been there many, many, many times to do games or whatever. I just can't imagine that being gone, but I'm sure people will get used to it. Yeah, a couple of the pieces actually were, were salvaged. Uh, both sides of the tower that actually said Wanamingo were, were salvaged. Uh, one uh, was... Uh, obtained by a, a local contractor in town here um, that wishes to do something with it, fun with it later on. And then uh, Pete Hagseth from Fox News actually uh, 
obtain the other side of it. Uh, he has family connections to this area. Both his parents uh, were born and raised, grew up around here, and he still has relatives in the area. So he was going to take uh, one of the sections and down to his farm, Tennessee, and make a display out of it, which we'll be able to get some photos and see what it looks like uh, when he gets it all set up. Well, that'd be interesting. Hag set there. That's a Wanamingo name for sure. But the main reason we wanted to talk to Mr. Bolton today was this idea of the North Zumbro Sanitary Sewer District being proposed. MPCA's reaction to this was what, Mike? You can be totally honest with us here. Very positive. Uh, so a couple of things uh, uh, that we have uh, going against us right now with the four plants are two of the plants are actually within the floodplain. So over the last... Uh, 15 years, I think we've had two or three floods that actually have pushed raw sewage uh, right into the Zumbro uh, River uh, when, when they flooded out. So we don't want to, don't, you don't build sanitary sewer district or sewer sanitary sewer plants uh, within floodplains anymore. And then we also have four plants that each have a discharge point. So the monitoring of those, that water that gets discharged after it's treated into the river. Um, there are still potential for uh, uh, sending contaminants in uh, if you have failures within your plant. Um, that's, that's a problem to the MPCA, and we all want to keep uh, the environment as clean as possible. And Pine Island's discharge actually is into an impaired waters. That uh, middle fork of the Zumbro River down there is considered an impaired area. So if we uh, create one discharge point, uh, on the North Fork here, uh, somewhere around Zimbroda, will actually be better for the environment to have just that one discharge point. And uh, with a new plant, we'll have multiple redundancies within our treatment. Um, that's going to make it pretty hard to ever send out uh, uh, waste that isn't fully treated. So, so they're they're definitely on board for for seeing this and knowing that uh, there's a shortage in the state of Minnesota of wastewater treatment plant operators. It is so difficult, Gordy, um, to obtain your, your B&A license. So they have an A, B, C, and D. Um, if you were going to work within that industry, you have to first start and work so many years before you could take your D test uh, to operate plants, which is like a, a, a pond-type system. And then you got to work a couple more years to take your C, a couple more years to... to to uh, take your B, and basically, by the time you take your A, you already have worked in your in the industry over ten years, and the A and B tests uh, are like uh, very difficult between the math and the essay type uh, type work. You almost have to have a, a degree within that field, and even the uh, kind of a master's type uh, type uh, education in order to obtain your A license as a as a wastewater treatment plant operator. And uh, this plant would be an A plant. Um, Wanamingo was currently a, a B licensed plant. Uh, we're lucky enough to hire uh, the Plainview Elgin's uh, operator who does that on the side for us uh, to uh, uh, sign off on our, on our uh, license uh, material for the state when we send our reports in. But our uh, maintenance staff themselves actually do most of the work down here at our plant. But they're just difficult to find. I, you know, there's there's not many in the state of Minnesota, and 
they go to, just like anybody else, they migrate to higher paying, larger communities once they obtain their license. So that's kind of another hurdle that we're, we're trying to, uh, to go around by being together like we could collectively be a larger plant and pay a little bit better for those A operators. Sure. Now, would each of the communities have representation? Would there be some kind of a operating board or something? Yes, you'd create a, it'd be a, a governmental entity, which the state of Minnesota would, uh, would actually uh, recognize. They would actually form it as a legal, legal governmental entity. And uh, we don't know the details of it yet. We haven't gotten into that. But, yes, you'd have representation from each of the communities on a collective board. Um, um, from there, devil's in the details of do you have one vote per, per community or you get a percentage vote of what you have for the flow and the cost. Uh, we'll work those details out as we go on. But, uh, yeah, they, they would manage the staff and uh, set the, the, the fees, the cost of, of, uh, of uh, what we charge out to communities uh, in order to operate and uh, uh, pay for the debt to the capital uh, cost of building that plant and sewer lines. Yeah, and I would imagine that uh, part of the deal is all the communities have to agree to be part of this for a certain period of time. Yes, as I said, we're we've, we're trying to stay on the big picture right now, trying to get funding first, knowing that uh, that's the biggest hurdle. And after that, uh, we'll talk about those details and while we're setting that up and come to something that we can all agree with. With uh, as we have two larger communities and two smaller communities, I'm sure there'll be some some discussion to try to make sure it's fair for both. Yeah, well, it sounds like. The MPCA is in your corner, right? They're yes, they're backing this and they, they support this, rather than our, our own, our, the current situation, the status quo, or uh, building our own uh, singular plant. Each community, they prefer the the collective. Did one of these communities, I mean, was it your community that started this, or Zambroda started the talks? Or I, I think it mainly originated in Zambroda. There was some discussions there, knowing uh, they were kind of thinking long-term of what they wanted to do. And then uh, at one point we had uh, Shades of Sherwood uh, was, was looking at either coming to one of our communities. I think that kind of spurred the discussion. Uh, that's kind of a, a campground between Wanamingo and, and Zambroda. Uh, was had some wastewater treatment needs, and eventually they they uh, did some upgrades at their own facility to handle their needs. But uh, that spurred the discussion, and then uh, Goodhue actually has the most immediate need of the four plants um, to get a replacement uh, or do something different soon. So those two items kind of spurred staff to have those discussions, and then we started talking more, and uh, one by one communities got involved, and. Uh, uh, it wasn't just the four communities at one time. We actually had discussions with uh, Mazeppa as well, and uh, there were a couple discussions even with the city of Kenyon uh, of if it was feasible to come in, but those two ultimately didn't decide to uh, to uh, go uh, this route with us. So here we stand with the four of us trying to work on a regional wastewater treatment plant. Well, we will certainly be looking and seeing if it's included in the bonding bill. I'm sure you guys will be obviously anticipating that coming out, too, at the end of the legislative session, which is just a few weeks away. Yes, yes. It's, uh, we're lucky that we also hired a, a, uh, a lobbyist firm to help us in this process. We've been doing a lot of work ourselves with uh, 
staff and the elected officials here from each of the communities uh, doing work, but uh, we don't know the day-to-day operations of what's happened at the Capitol, that making sausage uh, process of, of uh, putting legislation together. So we ended up hiring that lobbyist to help us uh, um, follow that process and know when, when to have those discussions uh, with, our, with our elected officials up the Capitol to try to make this happen. So we're confident that we've done everything we can do, and uh, everybody that we talked to up, up at the Capitol said uh, this type of uh, regional uh, wastewater treatment plant is exactly what they want to see. This uh, request is exactly what the, the bonding bill is designed for. So when you hear that, uh, you're, 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 you, you feel good about it compared to other requests, not that you want to compare yourself to anybody else, but you know you at least have a little bit of validity uh, uh, to, to stand on when you're, when you're asking for it. That it's not something that's it's definitely a, an absolute need and uh, not a want, but that process of, of making those decisions and getting that uh, 60% of the vote in each of the bodies uh, makes it difficult, so you got to horse trade a little bit to get votes, so we'll see what happens, Gordy. Right. Hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. You have a great weekend, okay? Yeah, thanks, Cordy. Mike Bolton, he was our guest this morning on AM Minnesota. He's the city administrator for the city of Wanamingo. And again, the proposal, just quickly in summary, is setting up a sanitary sewer district that would include the communities of not only Wanamingo, but Zimbroda, Goodyear, and Pine Island. They're talking about the plant, the main plant being in uh, Zimbroda, as I understand it. And the lines would be run from communities to this plant, approximately 7.4 miles for Wanamingo, 7.7 for Goodyear, and 8.1 for Pine Island to this uh, plant, which would be located in Zambroda. All very interesting stuff, and we will keep our eye on it and let you know how it comes out. Have a fantastic rest of the day, everybody. It's supposed to hit 67 today.